0: Welcome to another episode of Palt on Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Joanna Underwood. She's the president of Energy Vision. They're a uh, research and uh, educational organization in the area of uh, alternate technologies, and uh, we're actually going to talk about a very important uh, alternate technology, and that's uh, green energy, which is actually a mixture of uh, alternate technologies and uh, legacy because obviously we're talking about the power grid which is 100 years old isn't that right joanna welcome to the show
1: yes thank you very much i'm glad to be here
0: well you know we're glad to have you here because the engineering community is constantly in the process of developing the future as we go along as it were and it's always nice to talk to people who have a perspective and are trying to help understand and help others understand where the where we're going with all of this so when i say smart grid for example what does it mean to you
1: Well, I think that we're trying to actually change our energy systems in two ways. And one is the grid to try to make it more efficient in its transporting of electricity, but also more efficient and more based on renewable resource use. Um, And uh, actually, the first research I ever did in that field was in 1986 when I wrote a report called... um, Which one was it? Energy Futures. (laughs) And looked at 17 different new energy technologies to see how they were coming along and were they developing. And it's been a long haul, but now the change, I think, is really underway.
0: Right. Now, I understand Energy Vision recently recognized some people for their efforts in alternate energy production. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Well, I can shift it a little bit, if I may. The focus of our work over the last several years has been on the transportation sector. And given the fact that every society in the world, it's at its heart, at its fundamental, uh, is how it generates its energy and how it fuels its vehicles. And these two systems both have to change dramatically as we move away from fossil fuels. <coughs> the energy Vision has been looking at the area of transportation because not only has our addiction to oil been an impact on our environment and on greenhouse gases, but on national security, on our reliance on foreign oil, um, on the health of people and cities. Um, And so we felt that this one issue, how do you get transportation systems Weaned away from their reliance on fossil fuels and petroleum based fuel, that this was a critical question for our country and for every country. Um, The fuels that we were looking at as alternatives all were based on the question of do these new fuels take us in the direction of what would be totally sustainable? Are they based on the use of renewable resources? Are they clean? Do they impact health? And to what extent do they generate greenhouse gases and are they carbon intensive? And the focus of our program is to find the fastest way to get to renewable transportation fuels. We found uh, a decade ago that natural gas was a superb replacement for petroleum-based fuels because it was much cleaner, lower in greenhouse gases. It was a native domestic fuel, very prevalent. And before the whole issue of fracking came up, we were very, very sold on fossil natural gas as a potential path to hydrogen, because as you develop Uh, transportation engines and systems that can use a gas rather than a liquid you're really moving toward more gas more compressed gas and what you learn about natural gas is going to apply and speed the way to hydrogen but hydrogen has continued to have problems over the last decade of cost and materials and we found I would say just five, six years ago that in Europe they were using organic waste to produce vehicle fuel. And this turned out to be, in our view, the first truly sustainable fuel because it is clean, almost devoid of health-threatening pollutants. It is made from an abundant and really endless resource, res- uh, resource which is... Um, organic waste coming from food, from yards, from businesses, from agricultural operations, food processors. There's nowhere in the country where organic waste is not produced. And if you capture uh, the biogases that are generated where every wherever organic waste are decomposing, you have biogases that are mostly methane, and if you refine them, you turn them into a transportation fuel.
0: Well, if I may if I may jump in here, Joanna, the reason I had come across with the uh, smart grid aspect is that uh, going forward, transportation is going to be very, very closely wedded to the energy grid, and that same fuel will also drive a turbine uh, power generator. And, and so it's more that it's, I recognize that you're focusing on the uh, transportation aspect, but I think the aspect of the fuel in and of itself, I think, is the key core technology here and that clean fuel will power a myriad of application spaces.
1: That clean fuel can be used anywhere that fossil gas has been used because it is virtually the same fuel from the point of view of use. It only comes from a different source. It doesn't come from digging 1000 feet underground. It comes from using a waste that is all over the surface. Exactly. And we can use it to heat homes, we can use it. Fly power. jets. Yeah. We can use it to power power plants. We can use it as a transportation fuel. We can use it anywhere we need it. The reason, by the way, that we have focused more on the transportation use is that when you look at power generation, there are many potentially excellent renewable, sustainable options, whether it's solar power, wind power, hydropower, geothermal steam, um, ocean gradients. Uh, there's work going on in all these areas. So there's a multitude of options That can serve electric power generation. But there was virtually nothing that could wean this country from uh, gas, gas, but fossil gas or renewable natural gas. So that's why we've focused on that direction.
0: Literally... uh, Literally a drop-in replacement.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a really thrilling fuel, I think, because it doesn't just solve one problem, which is it being almost greenhouse gas negative, and in some cases net negative if you're using food waste to generate it not only do you have a complete winning fuel from the point of view of greenhouse gas generation, but you're also taking what was a very expensive, messy, smelly part of the garbage stream and recognizing that it's not garbage. It's really gold. It's really garbage to gold. This is um, a stream and a flow of material, 78 million tons from municipal settings and many more from agriculture or food processing. So many sources in rural areas, in urban areas, you can make it anywhere. And if a small community wanted to make it and use it for power or for transportation, they may be too small to generate enough uh, organic waste themselves. They can look around and say, well, what communities are around here within 20 miles? What farms, what other kinds of facilities that generate organic waste? Are there prisons? Are there universities? All of them create this form of material, which indeed we're now coming to see as an incredibly, incredibly Valuable resource.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely there, Joanna. But um, so, where, what's the next step now? Where do you see us transitioning in the next say five or ten years? Recognizing all of the pressures on transportation, fuel costs, the variables there, but also how you see it as technology solving it. Where are the, where are we putting these new technologies, new fuels, new solutions?
1: I think for this particular fuel, renewable natural gas, um, it's really a brand new emerging industry, but I think it's going to emerge now much more rapidly in the next few years. We only had the very first waste to fuel or waste to power operations in the country a decade ago. We had one at the huge Altamont landfill in California. Uh, there was um, a demonstration that you had the commercial technology to collect the gas, to refine it, um, and in that case, to use it as a transportation fuel for about 20 communities. But what we've seen in the last five years is that the technology to produce the fuel, all the elements of it, are fully commercial. There are only sort of... A series of steps. All you have to do is have a place to collect collect the waste. That may be in a landfill, but it would be better if it were an anaerobic digester. And I think anaerobic digesters will be the way to go. If we can wean landfills off getting the organics, if they are taken instead to an anaerobic digester, then you get not only one wonderful product, but you get two um, If these organics are processed separately, you get first the gases that you take off and refine, but what's left are the biosolids that can be made into compost, into soil amendments of different types. So you have really taken a piece of that waste stream and used it all to produce two good products. Now that the technology is commercial, I think the big questions and the big obstacles are... The logistics of where you put a digester, how you, where you get the technology, where you put refueling stations, or are you going to use it for power generation, or for both? Um, how do you do that, and where do you get the upfront funding to do the initial uh, the initial placement of the equipment you need to get the fuel? Once you're getting it, it's almost a free resource so where we've come is a real uh, maturing of the various pieces of technology you need in this. And if we think about engineering firms and what they're trying to do, there seems to be a role for engineering firms that can be much more proactive uh, than simply responding to what someone or some company comes to them or a municipality for, asking to build a, a, a waste treatment plant Um, facility of one sort or another and if an engineering firm is familiar with the choices and how uh, biogases can be used and from organics, then it has a chance if they're asked to design uh, let's say a wastewater treatment plant they can come in and say well we could design this but should we also think about uh, a facility that would gather um, the organics from that plant and Uh, make them into a source of power, perhaps combined with other organics. So an engineering firm need not be a passive respondent. I think the engineering firms that will be both successful um, and, and better known are the ones that understand how to build these new technological systems and that make it an active part of their agenda that they actually suggest to their customers. And I think that not only will that be good for engineering firms, as it is for companies that are building anaerobic digesters now, um, but it will be good for our environment because we need to make this transition. And what will cover the costs of making it? In a lot of places, it's government support, it's government grants, it's political incentives. In the West, it may be the RINS program under the Renewable Fuels Act. Um, But there is room for engineering creativity here that will be very important. And it can be small facilities, it could be very large facilities, small communities uh, we worked. We've looked at all of the projects that have involved waste to fuel. The small community like St. Landry's Parish in Louisiana—they're small—but they decided they would collect the organics from their landfill and first use it for some power needs, but then to fuel their police cars and their police fleet. Um, that's a small. Example: The Altamont landfill in California is huge because they're producing enough fuel to fuel 400 garbage trucks a day. Um, So this is definitely coming.
0: It's on its way, definitely.
1: Definitely coming. And I think it's critical if we want to tackle our climate-changing greenhouse gas problem. Um, This fuel, renewable natural gas, no matter how it's used, is a winner.
0: I agree, Joanna. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come to our show and tell us about this because it gives a human face to a lot of this technological development. Because when you think about a facility like an anaerobic digester that's got pressure sensors all over the place and electronics everywhere and you can focus on, it's just a process that you're trying to perform, but in reality, not only are you creating a fuel that you can use, yeah, you're helping save the planet, too. Why not?
1: Every aspect of this is helping save the planet, and I think engineering firms are one of the most basic, basic elements, and we hope that every engineering firm will see this as part of their role, their profit-making, and their mission.
0: Well, thank you so much, Joanne. Like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and give us a little bit of that uh, inspiration for making it not only uh, good technically, but also uh, good uh, ecologically.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And uh, I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Palt for Palt on Power. Have a great day.